0: Well, good morning everyone and a very happy Father's Day to all of the fathers uh, out there and we are celebrating you on this very special day. You know, our vision uh, statement is touching our world through Jesus one life at a time. And uh, we are thankful for all the ones that are able to come here. In person and we're also thankful for you all that are watching online. Uh, we are thankful for uh, you being able to connect with us through technology and we know that there's somebody out there watching all the way from Ottawa so I just wanted to give a shout out to you. Thank you for connecting with us uh, because we are going one life at a time and we're thankful for each and every one whether in person or online. Yesterday we had Masters Pantry. We were able to help many people within our community. We had 18 drive-throughs for people that came to uh, get some help and we were able to do 22 deliveries and we were able to touch 135 lives because of your generous giving towards helping people in need. So thank you for that. So this month uh, we've been looking, we've been uh, trying to focus on who we are as a Christian and missionary alliance, and the first uh, Sunday in June, we were privileged to have our district superintendent, Curtis Peters, with us, and last week, we had the president of CNMA Canada, Dr. David Hearn, with us, and so these next couple of Sundays, I want us to just look at what's known as the fourfold gospel, okay? Okay. Now, the Christian Missionary Alliance was founded by a man named A.B. Simpson. He was actually a Canadian. He was born in in, uh, Prince Edward Island, uh, and he was actually trained in Knox College here in Toronto. Uh, He pastored in Hamilton, and subsequent to that, he actually ended up going to the States and had various pastorates in the States. Um, But the CNMA Canada is made up of about 440 or so local churches who seek to be, as we saw in the video, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused, okay? And as you heard a little bit last week with uh, Dr. Hearn. Now, when, when Simpson founded the Alliance, one of its, his core teachings was what's known now as the fourfold gospel, okay? And uh, it's known as Christ who is our Savior. It's very simple. Christ who is our Savior, Christ who is our Sanctifier, Christ who is our Healer, and Christ who is our coming King, Okay? Now, these are really important and critical things to understand and to understand the fullness of these things to understand who Jesus is to us. And as Dr. Hearn mentioned last week, it's all about Jesus. And so today we're going to look at Jesus, our savior and um, healer. And then next week, we're going to look at Jesus, our sanctifier uh, and coming king. And this actually is my first message to, you, to, to the whole church, to UAC, as your lead pastor. And I can't think of a better topic to preach on than Jesus being our Savior and Jesus being our healer. Can you? That's the, the, best, that's the best topic you can, you can think of preaching on. Jesus our Savior and Jesus our healer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into these aspects about our Uh, about Jesus, and especially today as we see Jesus as our Savior and Healer. I pray for anyone that is watching online or anyone that's here in person that might not know you as Savior and might not know you as Healer, or someone that needs to know you as Savior and needs to know you as Healer today, that we would experience the fullness of Jesus through the power of the Spirit today because you love your people. And so we commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Nikki Gumbel, who's the the founder of Alpha, he tells a story of a lady named Sue. Uh, She wasn't a Christian, and she had a condition called COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and it was getting worse. She was actually attending a clinic in their church. Their church was running a clinic to help people. And so one time she arrived, and she actually came on the wrong day. So instead of actually being there for the clinic, the rehab clinic, she started flipping through some flyers that the church had, and one of them was about alpha. And she looked at that, and she said, well, let me try to go for that. So the next alpha session was happening on Wednesday, and she went on Wednesday, and she loved it, right? And so she decided to come back on Sunday. And when she came back on Sunday, everything just clicked for her. She realized how Jesus was the savior and how Jesus is God. And she committed her life to Christ at that time. And what she did was she called her sister to let her know the commitment that she had made to Jesus, knowing that her sister was a Christian. Well, when she called her sister, her sister was in a middle, was in the middle of a meeting with another friend. Do you know what they were doing? The two of them were praying for Sue that she would receive Christ and know Christ as her savior. And they had been praying for her. Her sister had been praying for her for 25 years. And on that day, she gave her life to the Lord. The next Sunday, she came, uh, she came up for prayer because they were praying for people for healing And she was healed from her chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, so much so that she could run up and down the stairs in her her house, and she stopped all of her medication. After After she'd been healed, she started to share with others about Jesus as Savior and Jesus as healer, okay? And she started to pray for people for healing, and people got healed, okay? And even one person even was healed from cancer. When she decided to take baptism... She brought 150 of her friends and family members to celebrate with her. Can you imagine that? She couldn't stop sharing about Jesus as Savior and Jesus as healer because Jesus had made a wonderful and tremendous impact on her life. I want you to know today, for those of you here and for those watching online, I want you to know and experience today. Jesus as Savior and Jesus as healer, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, from the very first experience that uh, the angels had with Mary and Joseph in predicting the birth of Jesus, do you know what it was said? They were told in Matthew 1 verse 21, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Your name is, You're to give his name is Jesus because he's the savior, because he's going to save his people from their sins. So in this verse, there's two implications. One is that Jesus is the savior. It's quite apparent, right? The second implication, which sometimes we don't like, is that we are sinners, And sometimes that's hard to wrap our brain around, and sometimes that's hard and difficult to acknowledge, but without acknowledging that we are sinners, we cannot accept the reality and fullness of Jesus being Savior, right? In the culture and society that we're in today, we want to be tolerant and accepting and loving of everyone, and that's great and that's awesome, but we also have to understand that God is a God of truth. And if we disobey his commandments, and if we fall short of his glory, then we are sinners in his sight in need of saving grace, that we are sinners in need of a savior. That's why in Romans chapter three, it says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Me, you, everyone here, we have fallen short of God's standard right? It's only in the time that we look for help in one area of our life that we realize that we're in need, right? When we're sick and in need, we we go to a hospital. If we have a financial crisis, maybe we go to a financial advisor for help. If there's some sort of other emotional crisis that we're going through, maybe we seek out a, a counselor or a spiritual crisis, maybe we seek out a pastor, But it's in those times of need that we acknowledge, hey, I'm lacking something and I need someone else to help me in the thing that I'm lacking. And when we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a savior is when Christ can come and fill that void in our lives. We need to understand and realize that we are broken people. And in the brokenness and lostness that we feel, when we understand the depth of our sin, then we can understand the greatness of his salvation. Now, what did Jesus come to save us from? I just want to look at three things very quickly. One, as we read in, uh, in the previous verse, he came to save us from our sins. Two, that he came to save us from the curse. And three, he came to save us from the fear of death and the devil. So the first thing, Jesus saves us from our sins. This is awesome, this is wonderful, because as we just read in the previous verse, we're all sinners. And so if all of us are sinners in the sight of God, then we need a savior, and Jesus came to do that. First John chapter uh, two and verse two says, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. If you're here today and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you've done something wrong or that you've sinned, that you've grieved the heart of God, let me tell you, that's a good place to be because if there's conviction in your heart and in your life that you have failed, that you've fallen short of his glory, then Jesus, the Savior, is here today to forgive you and to cleanse you because he's made atonement for your sins. Jesus gives us hope. Please remember that if there's a feeling of guilt and conviction, that there also should be a feeling of hope because of Jesus, because he forgives us. The second thing is that Jesus saves us from the curse. See, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and a curse came upon humanity, and that curse brought us into bondage, that curse brought us into a place of captivity, And when Jesus died, when Jesus came into this world and died for our sins, he came to do that in order to break that curse. In Galatians chapter three and verse 13, it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. See, the curse separates us from God. The curse that came upon humanity, it, it brought a separation, All of God's blessings of peace and grace and comfort and strength and provision can now be ours because the curse is broken. Many times in our lives we feel like we're under some sort of bondage. Many times in our life we feel like there's something that's oppressing us, that's weighing heavy on us. Do you know that Jesus breaks those things? I was very appreciative of Dr. Hearn last week. He started speaking some very powerful words from the pulpit here. And when he said that he breaks that through the name of Jesus, the the power of lies is broken. In the name of Jesus, there are other things that are in our life that might be holding us in. But Christ wants to break those things in our life because he is the Savior, Not only does he forgive us of our sins, but he breaks the curse. He breaks that bondage. He came to, uh, he faced that punishment. He faced the pain for us on Calvary to bring us redemption. Are you here today or are you watching online and you're feeling troubled and worried? Are you feeling like you're lonely and without any hope? Well, Jesus comes to break those things and give us hope for tomorrow. Now, it's not to say that we won't go through trials and sufferings and difficulties, because we will. But the difference is that Jesus is with us in the midst of trials. He's with us in the midst of suffering. He's with us in the midst of pain and loneliness and difficulties. But he breaks those things and brings love and companionship and peace and comfort and grace to us in our most needed times. Number three, Jesus saves us from the fear of death and the devil. See, when Jesus came and died on the cross, he came and one of the reasons why he faced death to its face was in order to destroy the fear of death and to destroy the power of the enemy that had held many people captive by this. In Hebrews 2 and verse 14 and 15, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he, speaking of Jesus, too shared in their humanity, because he as God came down to earth and took upon himself the form of humanity, so that by his death, Jesus' death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Are you here today and, and you're scared to die? Are you here today and, 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 to, and, and tomorrow or the future is an unknown that brings fear to your life? Are you here today and you feel like there's some sort of captivity and bondage because of the devil that's holding on to your life? Some people are, are afraid to die because of this power of death, because of the sting of death. Maybe you're here and you feel like you're oppressed by the devil. You know, when Jesus walked the face of this earth, There are so many times that he just spoke a word. There are so many times that he was there and just with one touch, he let people go free. With one word, he let people go free. In Colossians 1, it says that for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, God has broken the power of darkness because of Calvary. Because Jesus is the Savior, that power of darkness has been broken, and we need to accept that and receive that for ourselves. There's so many things that we can say about how Jesus saves us and so many different things that he does for us as a Redeemer because he is a holistic Redeemer, and that's what we're going to see throughout, uh, throughout this message, the rest of this message because it's not just the forgiveness of our sins, it's not just the breaking of the curse, it's not just the destroying of the devil and the, and the fear of death, but he heals us holistically. It's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer to pray. Jesus, save me. It's, it's nothing complex, it's nothing big. But if you're here today and you feel like you're lost or you feel like you're without Jesus... It's a simple prayer to pray. Maybe if you're here today or if you're watching online, can we pray that together? A very simple prayer. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I gave my heart and life to the Lord many years ago, but every day I need to ask the Lord again. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Can we just take a moment right now and let's pray that prayer together. If you're watching online, you pray that prayer in your house. And for all of us that are here, can we just pray that prayer? We'll just say it three times and ask the Lord, please save me. Please redeem me. Please help me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Oh, the power in the name of Jesus. Oh, the power in his holy name. Whatever you need today, if you're feeling lost or hopeless or confused or anxious or scared or or fearful or lonely or you're unsure of yourself or you're tired, you're burdened, or whatever else state you find yourself in today, remember that Jesus still saves, and he saves every day. But the first step is to acknowledge our loss, our lostness. The first step is to acknowledge our sinfulness. The first step is to acknowledge the areas in our life where we need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 15, we read about three parables. They're very powerful parables that illustrate the lostness of humanity and the need for a savior. It's the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. Now, if I can just give you a a little summary of these these three parables and just look at it in in one sort of angle or one sense, the beauty of the parables is that you can read those parables and there'll be new things that come out of God's word every time that we look at them. And so when you look at these three, three parables, the lost coin, this woman had, had 10 coins and she lost one, so she lit a candle and she looked all around until she could find that lost coin. When she found it, she rejoiced. Great, I, got the lost, I found my coin that was lost. The shepherd had had 100 sheep and 99 were with him and, and one of those sheep strayed away and the shepherd went, the good shepherd went and looked to find that one sheep and he found that one sheep in his lostness and he redeemed that sheep and brought him back and there was rejoicing. And then the father had two sons and one of the sons said, give me my inheritance. I want to go and enjoy it and live it up in this world. And so he got his money. He went out into the the world, spent all of his his, uh, money and his goods. And he came to a very destitute place when he didn't have anything. And he was in in, in a pig's pen and not knowing what to do. And then he finally at his lowest and deepest and and most destitute point said within himself, what am I doing here? Let me go back to my father's house. And so he decided to go back to his father's house, and what was the father doing? Waiting with open arms. We all have areas of lostness within us. We all have areas of blindness, of things that we, can, we might not be seeing that, hey, I need this part redeemed. I need this part saved. See, if you look at, if you look at these three items, the coin, let's say, the lost coin, the coin, if, if I can personify it a little bit here, the coin didn't know that it was lost, and it didn't know how to get back to its master or its owner. The sheep knew that, he, that, that it was lost, but it didn't know how to get back. The son knew that he was lost, and he knew how to get back. He just needed to do it. And in all of these areas, sometimes there's, there's places and areas in our life where we're like that coin. We don't know we're lost. We don't know in some areas that we're not really pleasing God, and, and we need, as that woman did, to shine the light, shine the light of God's word, shine the light of the gospel on there, and then we see, oh, I'm lost in this area, and thank God for that woman that redeems it and brings it back. And sometimes we're like that lost sheep, and we stray away, but thank God for the good shepherd, and, and sometimes in our life we know, oh, this area is really bad, I keep failing in this area, I keep... I keep uh, making these mistakes and, and we know we're lost in this area but we don't know how to get back and thank God for the good shepherd who seeks and saves the lost and the good shepherd that goes after that one sheep and maybe there's some areas in our life where we know we're lost and we know we need God's help we know we should be going back to God and saying hey I'm really lost I need your help I need to fix this and we're like that lost son in, a, in, in another place and, and we just don't want to make that step back. And God has to work in our hearts and our lives because he wants us to come back. And maybe we're like that in some areas of our life that we don't want to acknowledge that, but God waits until we come to our lowest point. We come to our wit's end. We come to a place of, of destitution where we don't have anywhere else to turn, and then as the lost son turned back to, the, to his father, we also come back and say, look, there's this area of lostness in my life. There's this area of pain. There's this area of sin Father, please help me. And I want you to know today, friends, that on on this day, Father's Day, please remember, on this Father's Day, remember that the Father's arms are open wide to you right now. On this Father's Day, remember that our Heavenly Father is waiting just as that Father waited for his lost son, that our Heavenly Father is waiting with open arms for us so that we can come to him so that we can be saved and redeemed. Why? Because he is Jesus, the Savior. In Luke uh, chapter 15, speaking about this lost son, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And our heavenly father is waiting with arms wide open on this Father's Day, He's waiting with arms wide open for us so that we can turn to him and if we're lost and in pain and if we're destitute and we're going through trials and difficulties and problems, whatever the situation you might be facing today, know that the Heavenly Father's arms are wide open. He's waiting to embrace you, to kiss you, to love you, to show you that you belong to him. And he wants you to experience that today because he is the Savior. Remember, remember, the verse that we look back at, the first verse I share with you, Matthew 1, verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, this word save, save his people from their sins, the Greek word there is a Greek word called sozo. It's used many times in the New Testament. It's probably used about 100 times, more than 100 times in the New Testament. And it not only means to save, but it also means to deliver. To protect, to heal, to preserve, and to make whole. So if we read this a little bit differently, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will sozo his people from their sins. I'm going to give you a few examples. I'm going to go pretty quickly. I'm going to give you a few examples in the New Testament where this word is used, okay? Okay. For example, Matthew 8, the disciples, this was when there was a big storm happening. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, sozo us. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They were on the boat. They thought this is the end. This, 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 Jesus, our savior, and Jesus, our healer, is the same thing. He saves, he heals, he protects, he watches over He's everything to us because it's all about Jesus. And here, Lord, sozo us, because we're going to drown. Matthew nine, this woman, she had a, a a problem with bleeding, and she needed to be healed. So she went to Jesus, and she just thought, if I can but just touch his robe, I will be sozoed. If I can just but touch his robe, I will be healed. I will be saved. I will be made whole. The next verse, verse 22, Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you sozo. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Right? And the woman was sozo at that moment. It's used twice in that verse. Okay? Okay? Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, sozo. And from that moment, she was whole. She was well. She was healed. She was saved. She was preserved. She was protected by Jesus, the Savior and the healer of humanity. Mark 6, wherever he went, in the villages, in the cities, or in the countryside, They brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged Jesus to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, just like that woman. And all who touched were sozoed. All who touched were healed, were made whole, were saved, were protected. Mark 10, and Jesus said to to him, this is blind Bartimaeus, Okay? He need, he wanted to see. Jesus said to him, Go for your faith has sozoed you. I don't think I'm saying that right. I'm just putting the E D in there, okay? But you know what the word is, right? Your faith has sozoed you, has healed you, has saved you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus said, Your faith has sozoed you, has healed you, has made you whole. And, and he and he started to see. Luke 8, then those who had seen what happened, this is when Jesus healed somebody that was demon-possessed. Remember we said, because of the curse, there's this captivity that people face, this oppression that people face. And so it says, then those who had seen what what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been sozoed, had been healed, had been saved, had been made whole. Acts 4, When they were wondering, Peter and John, they did this amazing miracle, and the people were wondering, what's going on? How is this person walking? How is this healing happening? And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was sozoed? Do you want to know how he was healed? Do you want to know how he was saved? Do you want to know how he was protected? Do you want to know how he was made whole? Well, let me tell you about Jesus the Savior and Jesus the healer, because he's the same person, and he saves and he heals because of sozo, because of the healing and saving power of Jesus. Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and sozo those who are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and sozo those who are lost. Seek and save the lost. Seek and heal the lost. Seek and protect the lost. Seek and make whole the lost. Some of you might know this verse, a very familiar verse that we sometimes say, you you, you can pray this, or we use this as a confession of faith. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozo. You will be saved. You will be healed. You will be protected. You will be made whole. Friends, I don't know what situation you are facing today, but if you need the saving power of Jesus, if you need the sozo power of Jesus, if you need the healing power of Jesus, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be sozo. We will be made whole. We will be healed. Oh, friends, we will be saved to the uttermost because of Jesus. Why? Because in Romans 10, verse 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be sozo. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be healed. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be protected. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be made whole. We see it time and time again throughout the Gospels. They came to Jesus and he touched them and they were sozoed. They came to Jesus, he spoke a word and they were sozoed. They came to Jesus and they said, if I can just touch the, the hem of his garment, the fringe of his garment, just a little bit of Jesus, I know I will be made whole. I know I will be saved. Jesus is not only our savior, but also our healer, because as he heals us spiritually, he brings us back into relationship with him. He heals us physically and emotionally within. Now, does everyone receive physical healing? No. Is physical healing the ultimate thing? No. We're going to pray for healing at the end of the service. Is physical healing the ultimate thing? No all those who Jesus healed when they walked, when he walked on this earth, they all eventually died as well. He didn't heal them physically so that they could live forever. But he did heal them spiritually so that they could live forever. So if he didn't heal them spi- uh, physically so that they could live forever, but if he healed them spiritually so that they could live forever and have eternal life with him, you tell me, which is the greater healing? The spiritual one or the physical one? The spiritual one, Right? to be drawn closer to God, to be restored in relationship with God, that's the greater healing. The physical one is just for a few years. All those other people, they died. Blind Bartimaeus, he, he died. Lazarus, he died again. But the spiritual healing lasts for eternity. That's the greater healing. Because remember, Jesus' savior, Jesus' healer, it's the same thing. So the ultimate healing is the healing of our souls. The ultimate healing It's the healing of our restoration back to him. But at times, he chooses to heal us physically as well. And we can pray and ask the Lord for that, and we should, and we're gonna do that today. And it's a temporary blessing that God does give to us. It's not an eternal blessing. That's the restoration of our souls that lasts for all eternity. But it was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. It talks about Jesus, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. He, he went through those sufferings so that we can be made whole. And, and then Peter says it as well. He said, he personally carried, um, oh, I think I'm missing. Oh, there it is. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. See, there was a person, uh, Shirley read the scripture this morning. There was a person that they brought to Jesus who needed healing. He was a paralyzed person. He couldn't walk. So they brought him to Jesus, okay? So they bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, if you're Jesus, what do you think? All right, the obvious thing is I need to heal this person, right? He's paralyzed. That's why they brought him to me. But Jesus was thinking about something far better, Jesus was thinking about something far greater. So instead of telling the paralyzed man, get up and walk, what did Jesus tell him? We read it today. Your sins are forgiven. That's Jesus, our Savior, who's doing something eternal that's way better. He just, they just came and wanted the man healed, and Jesus was probably thinking, man, if I heal you, you're going you're gonna to die again. Let me do something better for you. Let me do something that's worth even more for you. Let me do something that's eternal for you. Your sins are forgiven. And then all the religious people were up in arms, saying, Oh, who is this guy? How can he be forgiving sins? How can he be doing that? No way, you can't forgive sins, who are you? So then Jesus had to say, okay, look, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? And obviously, when we look through temporal eyes, because they only could see through temporal eyes, saying your sins are forgiven, hey, there's no proof that's needed for that. That seems pretty easy. But to say, take up your bed and walk, that looks a lot harder for the temporary situation. Because the Bible says what things are seen are temporal, but what's not seen is eternal. And so he looked at that man and he said in Matthew 9, verse 6, so I I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home he not only forgave him, which was far better than the physical healing that he got, but he also healed him physically to prove that he had power to forgive sins. Because they could only see with the temporal eyes. They couldn't see the man's sins being forgiven. But that actually was the greatest and most significant healing for that man, more than the physical healing. It was, more, it, was more, it was a more powerful healing for Jesus to offer that man was the forgiveness of his sins. That was the greater miracle. He healed him physically to show that he has holistic power to heal. But the greater miracle, and for all of us who have experienced the touch and saving grace of Jesus, that is the greatest healing that we can have, restoration to fellowship with him. That's why Christ is our Savior, and Christ is our healer. Can Jesus heal? Yes, 100%. Can Jesus heal physically? Yes, 100%. Should we ask for healing? Yes, 100%. Should we pray for healing? Yes, 100%, and we're going to do that today. Can we heal? No, we can't. But Jesus can, and sometimes he chooses to do so and sometimes he chooses not. But whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be sozod, will be made whole. And that's an eternal blessing that is way better than anything physical Jesus can do. And if he does something physical for us, hey, that's just an added blessing for us right now. That's just his goodness and kindness. And we don't understand the ways of the Lord. His ways are higher than our ways and sometimes he chooses to heal physically and sometimes he chooses not to. But we can still pray and we can still believe just like they all did in the gospels. And We can still ask the Lord and we leave the results to him. But even way more important is the fact that he restores our soul. In Psalm 103 verse three and four it says, he forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He redeems me from death. Friends, this is what Jesus came to do, to forgive us of our sins, to break the curse, to destroy the fear of death and the works of the devil against us, to redeem our life from death and crown us with love and tender mercies. We want to pray today for healing, but we want to pray for sozo, the healing of our soul and our spirit, for a restoration, for healing that comes holistically to us. If God can save our souls, can he save our bodies as well? Yes, he can. Can he heal our bodies? Of course he can. We're going to sing this song, Healer, and as we sing this song, I want to ask you just to put your faith and trust in the Lord in whatever area of healing that you need, in whatever touch of sozo that you need, in whatever way that you need to be saved, to be healed, to be restored, to be made whole, ask the Lord today. Lord, you are my healer. God is a powerful God, and the presence of the Lord is here to heal. How do I know that? Because Jesus, I call to you today. And I ask you to come down upon this place because your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be sozoed, will be healed, will be saved, will be made whole. And so I ask you as we sing this song, pray this prayer today. Psalm 30, verse 2. I don't... Psalm 30 and verse 2, it says, Lord my God, I call to you for help. And you healed me. Can you just put that up, uh, Reese? It's the last slide. Oh, it's there. Lord my God, I call to you for help, and you heal me. Can we all stand? Can we read this verse together? And let's ask the Lord right now. Let's read this together on three. One, two, three. Lord my God. I called to you for help, and you healed me. Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's sing.